Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I've been reading Ruth this week. Very difficult week for me this week with all that's gone on. But just this beautiful story has really helped me. Now, one of the problems in preaching from an Old Testament little book is that people may not really be aware of the story. If you preach on uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000 or something like that, most people have read that or understand it, but the book of Ruth is, you may not be all that familiar with it at all. So I want to take just one minute to explain a bit about the story, and that will kind of help you, I think. It's not very long, so we could have a 10-minute break where we all read it, but that, we won't do that. The, in the book of Ruth, set during the time of the judges, there's a famine, and a little family move from, from Israel to the region of the Moabites, which is sort of southeast. And uh, while they're there, uh, it's mum and dad and two sons, and the two sons marry. But then shortly after that, dad and the two sons uh, unfortunately pass away, which leaves really mum and the two daughters-in-law. One of them is Ruth. And Naomi, uh, she's the mum, she says, okay, let's go back to Israel. And one of them agrees to go with her, that's Ruth. And when they get back to Israel, uh, they're very, they haven't got the land they used to have and uh, they have no work. And so Ruth goes and goes around just uh, gleaning the fields, you know, picking up things left over from harvesters. And she happens to be in the field of a relative of hers with whom she falls in love and he falls in love with her. It's always good when that happens, isn't it? You know, and uh, and he's a considerably older man, so that must be biblical as well. And um, and they marry, and and uh, and but they marry because he kind of buys the land, uh, and and also sort of purchases her, redeems her, and that's the story. And they all live happily ever after. Well, for a few years anyway. Um, one of the things that blessed me reading this story this week. And I want to talk today about the topic of connections, how God connects us with key people in our lives. The thing that blessed me reading it was, I've been reading through Chronicles and reading through the Judges, and every now and then these stories appear a bit impersonal because they involve, you know, the military, they involve leaders, and what was beautiful reading the book of Ruth this week was to, it's like it moves away from the big picture of all that's going on and it zooms in on one little struggling family that haven't got any money. It's extraordinary, really. <coughs> and you know that's true, don't you? That you could take a Sky News helicopter and fly over Cambridge and look at the various estates, you know, the nice ones like where we live, the dangerous ones like Terry Hinton and places like that. And you could get a, like, a, like a big bird's eye 
view, not big bird, that's Sesame Street, a big bird's eye view. And, but what you could do is you could take another camera and zoom right in on a family, couldn't you? And Cambridge would look completely different then. If you just looked at one family, and even because the Word of God can do this right into the heart of someone. And what blessed me was to understand, you know, that God is in control of the nations, isn't he? Can you say amen? He's the Lord of lords. Our God, he reigns. And he raises up kings, he pulls them down, he, he holds the nations in his hand. But what's amazing is, he actually knows all about me as well. He, zoom, he can zoom in, you know, to know how I'm feeling, what I need. I might not know what I need, but he knows what I need. And he is a personal God. And it was wonderful to move away from the big names, like the names of the judges, and then be just told about these ordinary people like you and me. And I want to tell you this, um, it sounds a strange thing to say, but just in case it needs saying, sometimes in, in the Christian faith, you can have almost like the who's who in the charismatic zoo. You know, the, the big names, the, the leaders and the, the evangelists or the ministries, you know, these people that we've all heard about, and let's be absolutely clear about this. God does care about these leaders, but he cares just as much about a struggling lady sitting on the back row of a church as he cares about any of these bigger characters. Do you understand what I mean? And God knows where we live. God knows where we are, how we are, what we need. He is our God. And that blessed me to think about that this week. There's nothing important about Naomi or Ruth. Nothing. They become important, but there's nothing ordinarily important about them. But God knew where they were. In fact, there's one point in the story where Naomi says that she doesn't really like God very much anymore. Because she felt that God had been so mean to her. But yet, his love towards her was incredible. Anyway, he wanted to connect them with their destiny. He wanted to connect them with other people that would be a blessing to them. And as I read it, I just saw all these connections. And so I want to talk about that for a few minutes this morning. It's a strange thing to consider, but I somehow think it may be the word of God for some of us here. So, the book of Ruth comments on how God brings people and their destiny together. You ever ask the question, am I supposed to be here? You ever ask that question? Or uh, like when you're going in to do your shift later on this afternoon or tomorrow, am I supposed to be working here? You know, <laughs> You're sat in the mid-section of the church and a drop of rain comes through and lands on your head. You think, should I go to the Baptist church? Am I supposed to be here? 
you find yourself in a new place or you're living in a certain place, many of you are away from not just the place you were born, but the nation where you were born. And you can ask the question, am I supposed to be here? Has, was this God's plan? Or did we just get some cheap air flights? Was this God's plan or was the rent pretty good there? Was I supposed to marry him? Or, you know, was he the only one who liked me? How's it, how's it all supposed to work? And we see in the book of Ruth that God is really interested in connecting people with other people and with things and their, and their role. So today, I want you to think about this from all sorts of angles. Some of you, of course, are not, uh, you are not married, and so there's a bit of the romance here that you might quite like, um, the, where God connects people. Others need to be connected into jobs. Some need to be connected into churches. All sorts of things that need to happen. Okay, let me just begin, and we can kind of pick it up, can't we? The first thing I noticed was... The test of commitment. In Ruth chapter 1, have a look. This is the piece where, and I love this little piece of the Bible, where Ruth tells Naomi, I am not going to leave you. That's essentially what happens. Ruth didn't need to come back to Israel. She, she was a Moabite girl. So she was having to leave her country. And it was a whole lot easier when you didn't need a visa. Can you say amen? Yeah. Indefinite leave to remain. You just had to say, I'm staying here. <laughs> How long you staying? <laughs> indefinitely. And that was indefinite leave to remain. But Ruth chapter 1 and uh, verse 15, Naomi's sister, your sister-in-law is going back to her people. And her gods go back with her. Wasn't a great evangelist, Naomi, there. But verse 16, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. It's like marriage vows, really, this. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And she finishes by saying, let death be the only thing that separates us. So the first thing I felt I learned by reading this this week was this, that actually part of what happens to this whole story begins right in this verse, where she says, I am going to show commitment to what is in front of me. That's the first thing. Her life was going to change. God was going to connect her with her destiny, but she didn't know what that was. She couldn't possibly have known what that was then. But what she did know was, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but as of where I am now, I am going to show my fiercest commitment. And I think that has an amazing application. When we're talking about, is God going to let me move here, work here, marry this one? be involved in this, you know, when we, we don't know some of those answers, do we? Because it's the future, only God knows. But what we can know is, what am I going to do with how I live now? 
So you might want another job. Sometimes I want another job. But you might want another job. But until that other job opens up, you ought to be thoroughly committed to the one you are in. Do you understand? You might want to see all sorts of things change for you. But until those changes occur, all you've got is what's in front of you. And I believe there's a, there's a test that comes. Sometimes in counseling young people, and they start dating, you know. And I want to say to them, let me give you a word of advice. You, you think he's gorgeous? Yeah, he's gorgeous. Okay. Look at the way he treats his mum. Because that's the way he's going to treat you. Look at the way they... And, and teenagers are amazing, aren't they, with that? They are amazing. Now, now, of course, all the teenagers listening to me here are beautiful people. But other teenagers. You know, people from Hinton. Where at home they're like, oh, this is terrible. I hate, I hate everyone. Then as soon as they meet another adult, hello, Mr. Peterson. It's nice to see you, Mrs. Peterson. And they're all nice. And then they go, and then it's only mum and dad. Oh, it's just. Ugh. The real person comes out. Must have been very painful for Ruth to say to Naomi, I'm going to stay with you. Because every time she looked into that, I mean, this was her mother-in-law. And most of us are glued to our mother-in-law and we cannot escape them. <laughs> but she could escape her mother-in-law. That, you understand that? Her marriage, uh, he, he had died. And every time she looked into, his, into her face, she would have seen her late husband, right? They would have looked similar. It was a painful thing to do. But I want to encourage you, no matter how painful it is in the current job you're in or in the current sort of relationship scenarios you are in, while you are there, 100%, please. Do you understand? 100%. Because God is testing your commitment. God is testing your commitment. It, it was amazing to read this actually and joking apart. The word of God tells us to honor our mother and our father. But here, here, the Moabite, she's not even a Jew. She's not really even under the covenant of God. She vows herself, I'm going to look after this woman even though we're not connected by blood. But I'm going to look after this. I'm going to look after my extended family as well. Now, I think sometimes God tests us where we are. It was her loyalty that released her destiny. If she had not gone back with Naomi, then her whole future would have changed. It was her loyalty to stick with this woman. Now, I'm not suggesting if you're in a lousy job that you should go up to your manager tomorrow and say, I just want you to know, where you die, I will die. Because it might infer some sort of shootout. No, no. But she was loyal. If you're in a lousy job, I sympathize. Lots of us have been there. But listen, you be good about your boss because that's what the Bible says. 
I said, that's what the Bible says. Not what I say. That's what the Bible says. Show honor where it should be shown. And God will open up something for you. I love it when someone will come to me and say, I want to come to this church. Because the last church I was at was terrible. I said, oh, really? Yes. In my last church, the pastor really disappointed me. My response immediately, I said, well, this pastor is going to disappoint you probably quicker. Moving from one church to another should not be done by despising where you are. Commitment to where you are, God opens up something else. Okay, so there's the, the commitment test. Secondly, I love this, the coincidences of God. Go to chapter 2. We're thinking about the connections. So they go back to Israel, and Ruth goes out to glean in the fields. But watch this. This blessed me this week. It says, so she went out. That's Ruth, Ruth 2 verse 3. She went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. That means she picked up what they left behind. And then in the NIV it says this, as it turned out, as it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz who was from the clan of Elimelech. They're in the same family. As it turns out, she found herself in the right place. It's fantastic. She didn't do a Google search. Family tree, what field should I go in? She didn't research where she needed to be. The secret of her being in the right place at the right time was not prophetic knowledge, but heart attitude. Boy, I wish we would understand that as believers today. Sometimes people want a word from God. I just want to be directed. But actually, even if God spoke to them, the fact that their heart is not open to obey means they wouldn't necessarily obey. But there are others, they don't go anywhere near the prophet in town, but because their heart is right before God, somehow God just gets them where they need to be. Can you say amen? When we surrender our will to the will of God, God's will is done by default. And sometimes we find ourselves in a circumstance, in a job, in some sort of relational connection with someone. And we hadn't planned it, we hadn't schemed it, we hadn't strategized it, we hadn't prepared for it as such. But God gets us in the right place. As it turned out, it was the field she needed to be in. I wanted to have faith in God today. That God is much bigger than you know. That God is much more active than you realized. If your heart is right, if your heart is right, God can get you to the very place you need to be. And there's no bells, no whistles, no angels. You're not going to wake up in the middle of the night and an angel come down through the ceiling. Behold, thou shalt work at Pizza Hut. 
Although if that should happen, I could do with a voucher. (laughs) But if your heart is right, you see, God's will is done. And her heart was right. She said, I'm going to commit to you. And because she committed to that, that old lady, she found herself as it happened in the field of Boaz. We said at the beginning, sometimes we ask the question, am I in the right place? Am I in the right scenario? Am I in the right ministry? Am I in the right job? Am I in the right church? Just for a moment, forget all these questions. Here's the question, because you can't answer that question. I mean, if I come over and punch you, you're probably in the wrong church. But largely speaking, you can't really know. But one thing you can know, you can know if your heart is right. You can't know, am I in the the right job that God predestined for me before the world was made? Well, maybe we can't know that, but we can know if our heart is right. Do you understand? A little later in the story, of course, she goes back. And the references are here on the screen. Ruth chapter 2, 19 and 20. She goes back and tells her mum, oh, I've been with Boaz. Wow, she says, says mum, you've been with Boaz. He's one of our family members. And then chapter 4, is it verse 1, opens up and Boaz goes to purchase the land. And it says this, Ruth chapter 4, verse 1, something like this. It says, as he was going, it just so happened that the man he needed to talk to was walking by. Whoa, it's quick work, isn't it? For these nobodies, these people who aren't important in the Bible, these people who weren't leaders, didn't have ministries, didn't have the fire come down on them, never spoke to the angel Gabriel, but God was setting up their lives and God was set up our lives. Hallelujah. God will get you where you need to be. God will get you with the people you need to be with. God will do it. If you have Ruth's heart that says, I, uh, I'm going to be committed to the kingdom of God and to the principles of the kingdom of God. So there was the coincidences of God. I don't know about you, but I want to take out a new, a, you know, turn over a, a fresh leaf, if you like, a new, a new understanding, a new belief that God is actually working behind the scenes, in my life, all the time. And, and I want to believe that. Because as we read this book, it is clear that that's what's going on. It just so happened she was in the field. Why? Because God had nudged her there. That's why. Number three, advice and counsel. Huh, this will be fun. Ruth chapter 3 Verses 1 to 5. This is great. Now, this is hot stuff. I don't know whether there, there needs to be maybe a, a 15 certificate got in this. Because Ruth goes and tells her, Mama, oh, I've met this wonderful man. And Naomi says, okay, that's good. Right, this is what you've got to do. And boy, it's hot stuff. Now, What she actually does, I need to explain this so nobody gets a bit too hot around the collar. She goes and lies at his feet. And she says, I want you to stretch your your garment over me. Now, I just want you to know that in Jewish culture, this was perfectly acceptable to do. 
today, let me tell you this, lady. If you like some guy in the church, I don't want him to wake up in the night and you've broken into his flat. You're lying at his feet. You look at him, hello. Why don't you stretch your garment over me? Nope. If that happens, he should call the police. And I will testify against you. (laughs) But in that day, that's what they did. She was asking him to marry her. That's what that's all about. I'll let you read this maybe later. But that's what it is. Go and lie at his feet. And and, uh, she gives all this advice. Look at verse 6. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. That's good news. And then, verse 8, in the middle of the night, something startled the man. I bet it did. There's a woman broke into his place. And he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. Now, I wouldn't have said that. I'd have said, get out of here. (laughs) I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are, fat man. Get that reindeer off the roof. She says, who are you? And she says, I'm your servant, Ruth. Spread the corner of your garment. You see this? Over me. Since you are a kinsman redeemer. And he doesn't phone the police. He doesn't take a picture for evidence. He says, the Lord bless you. (laughs) This kindness is greater. Because she was making a marriage proposal. Now, Ladies, I want you to listen to me. Listen carefully. In this story, at least, the woman made the first move. Now, I know you're thinking, well, that's the Bible culture, you know. uh, I'll let him ask me. I'm not asking, well, in this story, she made the first move. But the point is this. That she took advice. I want to just say something here. Sometimes relationships are very complicated. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? They are. Sometimes they're complicated. And in order for this relationship to work, Ruth had to get some advice. Do you know it's perfectly all right to get advice? And in the area of relationships, none of us know everything about how this life works. None of us know how to be a a good husband, a good wife, fully. None of us know, and and, and it's good to get advice. In this case, she got it from her mother-in-law. Now, that may not be your first port of call, but she, she she did take advice. And we should be aware of the, of the wisdom that is around us. Now, let me take the marriage thing out of it here. You're thinking about moving a job? You're thinking about changing your job? But you should take as much advice as you can. 
you understand that the way God was working, God was bringing these people together. But it still involved a human being to pour wisdom into her. Do you understand? And there's no contradiction between the two things. It's not a sin to find out information. It's not a sin to do some research. It's not a lack of faith to find out, well, is this new job going to be better for me? Or, or what's going on in this new church I'm in? Or, you know, all, all these sorts of things. Both things worked together. And Naomi, of course, was God's instrument to, to help her understand what to do. If you're in a romantic relationship and you think, shall we get married? Maybe you should ask someone, well, is this a good idea? That doesn't take God out of it. If you're thinking about moving jobs or moving cities or whatever, why don't you ask someone who's uh, done that? Maybe they can give you some advice. And maybe some of their counsel will be part of the will of God for you to understand. So just because God was setting it all up, it didn't take away this element of advice and counsel. Here's another thing about the connections of God. What I've called here second choice issues. Go to chapter 3 and verse 12. After this little liaison in the night. She says, I want you to marry me. Stretch your garment over me. I want you to marry me. And um, he's very blessed by this because he's a bit older than her. And he says this, verse 12, although it is true that I am near of kin, you know, we are family, he says, there's actually a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. There's someone in our family that's got more right to this than I've got. He says, stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. If he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I'll do it. Lie here until the morning. What he says is, do you understand that in the Jewish culture, if this scenario happened where someone, you know, lost a family member like this, you might have read this in the Old Testament in a few places. It was the job of the brother to marry her, you know, and have, have so her children um, um, could be born. And the, the role of the Redeemer was, was actually quite broad and manifold. He had to buy back land if the land was going to be lost. Basically, they just wanted to keep the family name. And they wanted to keep the family line. And they wanted to ensure that the land stayed in the family, all of this. And children were born, etc. So I bet, if, I bet if you were actually a Jew living in that time, and your brother said to you, I'm getting married, you'd want to have a good look at her. You really would. Because you might have to marry her later on. Your brother comes and says, I've decided to marry Juliet. And you say, I don't know about that. <laughs> have you thought of marrying Sheila? <laughs> Just in case. So he had many jobs to do. 
But Boaz knew this. Now listen, Boaz knew this. That it, he wasn't the first in line. There was someone else who had more of a right. We're not, we are not told, actually, the exact relationships. We're not told. And he says, see if he wants to marry you first. That must have been a very difficult cultural thing. Because he did love her. He was, if you like, second choice. Now listen to me. Listen carefully. If we're going to find our destiny in God, there will be many occasions where from the outside, it doesn't look like we were first choice. From the, from the outside, it might look like we were second or third choice. You go to that job interview. They give you the job. They say, well, we're thinking about it. But what actually happened was you got a call in the week to say, I'm sorry, but I'm afraid, I'm afraid, uh, I'm afraid we've given it to someone else. You say, okay, well, thank God. And then they call you back two days later. They say, are you still interested? Because the guy we wanted to give the job to, he's turned us down. Oh, I'm not first choice, huh? Huh. I know you're sitting there in your happy marriage today, but don't you know that your wife went out with someone else? Or don't you know your husband, he had another girl once. Now, I don't get all, I don't have a fight over lunch about this. <laughs> but sometimes God is working irrespective of these things. Do you understand? Whose choice was first choice in God's mind, Boaz. But according to how it looked, it looked like he was second choice. Last year I preached at a conference. But they, they called me because the other guy wouldn't come. That's a blessing, isn't it? You mean if he phones up and wants to come... I'm off the menu. Yeah, that's it. Well, thank you. It feels good. You know what? I was first choice that weekend. I was first choice. Remember one time I was due to speak here and I was not very well or something happened to me and I remember one of the other guys, you know, stepped in. Well, guess what? They were God's first choice. Never mind what it looks like from the outside. God's first choice. And Boaz had to maybe work through some of those second choice issues. You'd have a terrific worship team. But you know, before someone played on that keyboard, someone else played on that keyboard before them. And someone else before them. And people move and rotate and all of this. But, but the people who play on that keyboard now are God's first choice. Do you understand? And we might have to work through some of those issues if we're going to have divine connections that really work. Just two more. There's need, a need for patience. Very quickly, 
chapter 3 and verse 18. They don't know if they're going to get married. So she says to her, now Naomi says, now wait. Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. I tell you what, when you want a divine connection, you don't want to be told to wait. You don't want to be told to wait. But sometimes you have to wait. When people want to get married, they want Mr. Right. But Mr. Right may not be Mr. Right now. He ain't Mr. Right now because he ain't around. But he's still Mr. Right. Sometimes before, something will open up. It seems to be this great gap where we're waiting. And you find this all the way through the Bible. God's people are always being put in prison and, you know, the Apostle Paul in jail, he could have done so much, he had to wait. Joseph, a brilliant seer and prophet, 13 years in jail, or away from his ministry anyway. What a waste of time. It's not a waste of time. It's God's first choice. It's God's plan. I promise you, Listen to me. God is working behind the scenes of your life. And if you can believe that, you can wait a long time. If you can't believe that, you might go ahead and create an Ishmael scenario where you try to speed up the will of God by your own means. But we want an Isaac scenario, don't we? She said, I want you to be patient. Now, some of you will have no sympathy with Ruth at all because she had to wait overnight. You're sitting there thinking, phew, phew, overnight? Is this some sort of example of divine patience? I think not. Oh, it's terrible. How long do you, how long do you have to wait? Oh, hours. Oh, well, I feel for you. I had to wait eight years, 20 years. But I promise you, hear the word of the Lord today. This is the, the word of the Holy Spirit just moving here, ricocheting around this room. God is working behind the scenes in the lives of those whose hearts are open to him. And he will connect you where you need to be, with who you need to be with, with where you need to be, with what you need to be doing. But you might have to wait. And experience suggests from all our lives, sometimes we have to wait a bit longer than overnight. Final one. Everyone say finally. It's a good feeling, isn't it? You have to pay the cost. In chapter 4, he redeems her. We won't read it for time, but he, he redeems her. And redeeming her meant this. It meant money. It meant money, honey. It meant bread, Fred. It meant dough. Yeah, thank you. He had to pay money. Pay money? What's going on? thought it was God. No, he had his God, but he had to pay money. He had to pay money. 
What did he have to pay? Yeah, money. Now, guess what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, and in the night, a rider came by and said to Boaz, Behold, here is a bag of money for, the, for you. For you to fulfill the will of God. He had to pay his own money. Oh, dear. How awful. He had to get out his own checkbook, pay with his own money for the will of God to be done. Did anyone ever tell you? Now, they probably didn't tell you this when you first got saved because you might have run out the door. But did anyone ever tell you that being a Christian might actually be more expensive than being a non-Christian? And we're not just talking about 10%. It's expensive to do the will of God. If the will of God is costing you money, I, want just to, I just want to tell you something. Nothing's going wrong. Well, if it was God's will, I would have fish and chips for supper. I would slice open the fish and it would be full of coins. Isn't that what happened in the Bible? It costs money. I remember when I first came to live here, looking through the paper and seeing how much everything was worth around here. Well, I thought, wow, look at this. 700 quid. There'd be a swimming pool and a, there's a, probably a maid thrown in for that. And someone's going to cook every day. I, look, look at that. It's probably, I probably won't need to use the door. I'll probably teleport in for this money. <laughs> then I arrived and there it was, a little box room. One time, my mum came to see me many years ago, and when she actually came to see where I lived, she burst into tears. Bless her. Because it was so small. I didn't like to tell her how much I paid for it. But it's expensive, isn't it? I want to serve the Lord to the ends of the earth. Do you know how much it costs to go to the ends of the earth? <laughs> Do you? You have to pay. You don't go to the counter and go, hello. I'm a missionary. Let me on. You have to pay. And then when you get there, you have to pay. And if you want to come back, which you probably will, you have to pay. If you want to serve God, you have to pay. You have to pay, and I have to pay. We have to pay. Is anyone getting the message? It's expensive. And for you to find your destiny... It might cost you some money. It probably will. It cost him a whole load of money. He wanted this girl. You imagine falling in love and say, can we get married? She says, yes, but I'm afraid you have to buy my parents' property. Oh, really? Oh, that's nice. 250,000 pounds. Wow. wonder if I fancy anyone else. <laughs> he had to pay. He had to pay. And sometimes being in the will of God is very expensive. I, could, I want to stand here for another 20 minutes and say this, but I guess I'll have to stop. But the point I'm making is, if you run out of money, if you're spending money to fulfill the will of God, nothing's wrong. That's what money is for. You can't take it with you. You can send it ahead of you. But you can't take it with you. It's supposed to be spent here.
So relax. Ah, and it's not fun to run out of money. That's not fun to get red letters from the bank. And may God turn that around. But you can't take the money with you. You've got to spend it on the purposes of, of God today. So these connections. Number one, it all began with her commitment. She was committed to what was in front of her. Her loyalty unlocked and released her destiny. So wherever state you're in, wherever you are, you have to learn to love where you are. Especially if you're hoping to move into something new. You have to learn to say, Lord, I trust you with what's in front of me here and I'll give 100% to this until something opens up some, some other place. And it released something for her. Released the coincidences of God. Released good advice. Allowed Boaz to overcome his second choice issues that may or may not have been there. Created patience and ultimately the man came and fulfilled the will of God by taking out his checkbook and, and sealing it at his own expense. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes we would love you to leave us some feedback God bless and goodbye